You are listening to the Summit Church Garden City Podcast. Our vision is to treasure Christ above all else and live for more. So uh, also, before we jump into the text, which is we started last week, the text of the fruits of the Spirit, um, we, we spoke last week on love, and naturally what comes next is the next part of that, which would be joy. And surprise, we're not talking about joy today. We'll be talking about peace. And in everything, God's will is being made manifest in weird ways that we don't understand. And sometimes uh, this is the better way that it should happen. The way it happens is the best way when we're under his leadership. So <clears throat> instead of joy, which is an amazing topic, we'll be touching on peace, peace which is another amazing topic. And uh, this will not serve to confuse, I promise. Joy and peace are intimately woven. They hold hands. They come together. You won't find one without the other. Now, I want, I want us to uh, first remember that what we are doing here in this church is we are all seeking one purpose. And that purpose is to pursue the high calling of knowing Jesus Christ and proclaiming his kingdom. That's what we are doing here. That's what we are fostering here. That's what we want the body to be doing every day. That's what I hope to be doing from this sermon as well. Before we uh, uh, read that, that amazing passage of Galatians 5, 22 through 23, <clears throat> and, and start with the fruit of peace, I, uh, I wanted to just give us some facts. So now that we know we're not starting with joy, let's, let's, let's have these facts because believe me, they, they don't mesh together with peace either. So these facts are pretty morbid. They're, they're not so great. Currently, in the world, there are 40.3 million people living in some form of modern-day slavery. That is three times more people currently than ever were sold in the transatlantic slave trade. Um, there are 32 current ongoing wars and conf conflicts happening as we speak. I know in America, we think Ukraine is the only thing that's happening, but horrible horrible things are happening in Yemen and, and uh, all throughout Africa, in Afghanistan. <clears throat> Nearly 10% of the world faces hunger. That's 345 million people. Every day, people are dying of fentanyl overdoses on our streets around our country. And 5,898 Christians were martyred for their faith last year and an estimated 360 million Christians face high levels of persecution for their faith around the world. I don't know what that brings to your heart, or I don't know what that brings to mind, but it's not joy or peace. It's the opposite. If anything, it brings about a little anxiety, worry, fear. We see instability, that it's everywhere. It's wound deeply in, in every, no matter how big and great your country is, you find these truths are woven into that, the culture woven into every part of this life on this earth. So how can we have this peace or what is this peace? 
uh, that, that we're going to be talking about today. Now, let, let's, let's go ahead and jump into Galatians 5, 22 and 23, which will start with the, with the reading of the passage. So Galatians 5, 22 to 23, if you have your Bibles, open up. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. Beautiful. All those things are great. Uh, the one we're touching on, though, is peace. It is the third one. We know that love, as Ovi said last Sunday, um, almost every scholar would agree there's a significance to it being the first one, that it holds a special place. Why It's always almost mentioned as the preeminent thing, this love, this love that we can experience, this love that was laid bare, that we can witness through Jesus Christ. And from this love, all the rest flow including peace. But what is peace? Now, peace, I want to start from peace just as our own understanding. Things that, I know when I hear peace, when you hear peace, you think certain things and you understand it in certain ways. So the peace that, when I, when I hear peace, someone says, oh man, you know, there's peace. I think free from stress. I think it's quiet. I have three kids and a baby, so quiet is peace. Stillness, free from worry, tranquility, order, ease, comfort, the absence of conflict. There's no war, right? There's no war in my personal life, my, my marital life, my, uh, any kind of relationship. But <clears throat> these things are usually... Are written in the negative aspects. So in the sense of there is not these things in our life. This is how we think of peace. <clears throat> so we don't have the stressors of life and therefore we have peace. And it's, it really is, I, I would say it's a true peace. It's, it's a good peace. And I try to find these moments daily. Um, every morning, sometimes I have these long drives to get to work, uh, an hour and a half to two hours. And what I'll do is I'll get in my car. Luckily, the person before me tinted the windows on the car, so they're tinted. Um, I can turn on the heat or, or the cool air, currently not the cool air, but I open the windows a little bit. Um, <clears throat> and I, I put on some Gregorian chant music. It creates this, <laughs> this atmosphere of almost like a, like a, like a spa. And, <laughs> and I'm driving and I'm looking out my, my windows. I'm looking and I'm seeing these beautiful trees, the sunlight just piercing through the clouds. Even when it's rainy and you're listening to this stuff and just driving, you feel like everything is in harmony. And it's, it's, you're, you're, able from, you're able to be separate from the things in the world that are happening around because I'm in this little pod, but I'm able, I'm able to see it for the good aspects. Man, this rain, it gives life to the ground, the, the, the electricity, how powerful and majestic, how it crashes across the sky. Not only that, but when it crashes, it releases nitrogen and falls to the ground and things grow. I mean, it's amazing. I'm able to, to see these things. The reason I'm able to see these things is because I'm in my car. Very quickly, things can change when I step out of it. 
So I think... I think this is the peace that we all want, sort of. The peace that, this human peace that we all, we all want, we all seek for. And all of us understand it. You may not do what I do, which is for some weird, but I know you do other things because we all do them. We find places or maybe we make one in our head where we can go and just let go. Maybe you like to take your kids out for a long walk or uh, we put on Mr. Rogers and, uh, for the kids to watch, not for us. <laughs> and then we go downstairs and uh, we have that piece of chocolate in peace because you know that's not happening without Mr. Rogers. <clears throat> I apologize if I continue to sort of cough and clear my throat. I've got some bronchitis thing going, so bear with me. <sighs> or maybe we just go in our room and we close the door and we don't want to hear any of it, all right? Or even the best, I think the best one that everyone can relate to is long, hot showers. You just let the water pour over you and it just goes and goes and goes. And it's far too long a lot of times, but it feels so good, right? And these are such precious moments, right? It doesn't matter if you are the richest man in this world. It doesn't matter if you are in some Russian prison uh, for life. Every person wants these things, no matter what situation you're in. They're not only something that is nice, but something that's necessary. It's necessary for our sanity. But the thing is, and the unfortunate thing, is that these things are fleeting they end. And when they end, reality is not nice. It punches you right back in the nose with a set of brass knuckles. Just cracks your face. The kids uh, start knocking on the door. The baby starts crying. Um, remember that walk you were on with all your kids? It starts raining because you didn't check, so now you're running back home because you forgot your umbrella. Or like me, you arrive at work and have to step out of that Gregorian chant music and and have to walk through the storm to get into the home that I'm visiting. So the problem is, it is good, this piece is good, but even after we have manipulated the external environment in a way that allows for these moments of peace, these short-lived moments of peace, we have our greatest enemy yet to overcome. What's that enemy? Um, it's the same for all of us. The enemy is the mind. We can help the mind let go for a moment, but ultimately the anxious thoughts that we all have are like little monkeys trying to steal your sandwich. What do I mean by that? Well, Rafi, if you know who Raf is, uh, he was telling me he's been watching these videos of, of monkeys in India and how there are people just minding their business eating sandwiches and they have no... No care in the, they have no care in the world and a monkey will come and take the sandwich out of their hand and these things are scary. They have big teeth. They'll bite you. So you just, they're much smaller than you, but you let them take your sandwich and now all of a sudden you're hungry and uh, your whole wonderful moment is gone. <clears throat> this is the type of intrusive thoughts that we deal with. Some of them are evil like the monkey. Um, <laughs> but some of them are actually good. Now, these evil ones often are the irrational ones, the ones that you can't base in anything. You're thinking, man, uh, 
you worry about these things, these situations with your children, with your parents, with your job, um, and you're thinking, this and this could happen, which means this and this could happen, which means I could fall here. And it's like, you're far from there. This is irrational. None of these have happened, but you let your life be taken and derailed for these irrational thoughts. But these, these thoughts, when they are good, sometimes they're the worst. And what do I mean? They are thoughts of our mortality. Why do we exist? What is my purpose? Does God exist? What happens after I die? These thoughts are often the greatest anxiety producers. But in our desire for the moments of peace, we seek to drown it out. So what do we do? I crank up that Gregorian chant music. You uh, play Mr. Rogers a little longer and have a few more pieces of chocolate. You distract. You distract yourself. Now, uh, if that doesn't work, there's another method, which I experienced in college, actually. So some people choose to meditate. This, 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 this ability to sort of disconnect from the world. My religions professor would like to do it every morning with, our, with his class. So I was part of this class. And he would ring a bell, and that bell would serve as something to focus on. This bing, and it would just keep going, or he'd roll around it, and you hear the and you would and he would say, focus on that. And then he would chant repeatedly that chant that you hear, oh, over and over for five minutes. And the attempt was to focus on the present, sort of disconnect all these tentacles that you have into the past and into the future. And that is peace. You're empty. Man, what a nice peace. Let me tell you what happens in that state. You are useless. Um, I mean, it's, I, I guess you have that peace, but at the same time, you're totally disconnected from reality. What use is that peace? <clears throat> these are all ways of distracting ourselves from the reality around us. And we run, in, we run to these distractions to stay sane because if we live lives only of stress and never get away, we can go insane. Now, there are, there are situations that we can sort of experience, which we have, right? That baby that keeps crying and that we've done everything for and we just don't understand and we haven't slept and you feel like you're going to break. Um, and it's true. Uh, it's true. If you don't have these releases from the chaos of this world, you can go insane. And CNN actually had a story on how the U.S. government helps prisoners uh, with, uh, with giving more information during interrogations. And they found that one of their favorite ways was to play music on continuous for 24 hours, loud, outside their door. And especially raise, raise the, uh, the sound when it's time for prayer, when it's time for, when there are these moments that people in religion can find their peace, they say, hey, blast that song. You know what song it was? It was I Love You by Barney. Over and over and over. And these people, when they open the door, they are ready. They are ready to <laughs> say whatever they needed to say. Just stop the music. I need respite. I need time away from this stress. <clears throat> 
So we know that the continuous anxiety-provoking thoughts that we have, this, or it, they can be either internal or external, they can lead to some place that's worse, which is depression. And if this, if this isn't figured out, if, if you can't uh, figure out this issue, you eventually, and some people have the issue where without external stimulus, it's just internal, um, they can't stop these thoughts. It leads to a depressive state, and from that depressive state, it can lead to a suicidal state, one in which death, the ultimate quiet, is the only relief they think they have, right? So it's horrible. It's horrible. So once again, peace is not something that is just nice, but it is necessary. It is something we all need to flourish. Now, what is this? Well, I would call it a worldly peace. Why do I call this a worldly peace? Well, let's go ahead and go from uh, the current, the Galatians 5.22 to John 14, verse 27. Jesus here is speaking to his, uh, to his disciples prior, prior to his crucifixion. The stress that must have been on him must have been great. But look at his, look at his focus. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. It's beautiful. In this moment of stress, he was seeking the peace of those around him. He can only do that if he had peace within So he, the, the point I want to focus on here for right now is not as the world gives you, not as the world gives you. So I didn't mention this earlier, but uh, we'll jump back to that story of my professor. My professor would tell us during this, these moments to close our eyes. I was a good student, but not always in this portion. I would open my eyes often throughout it because this emptying of myself, I already knew was foolishness. Um, and this one time I opened my eyes, I saw my professor. Everyone else's eyes were closed and you're hearing the ohms and the, the nice ringing of the bell. And I see my professor on his desk, standing on his head upside down. So he's, he's standing on his head in some weird pose. Yeah, <laughs> it was a little, <laughs> a little shocking. <clears throat> I think what he, what this was doing was ultimately helping him because that day must have been particularly stressful. <laughs> what I can guarantee you is that when you're on your head, upside down, in the middle of a classroom full of children with the lights off, the last thing you think about is the future or the past. You're just trying to live in the present, right? That's it. That's all that matters, staying vertical, because bad things can happen. Now, it's a funny story, but a real one. But what I really want to point out by this, this situation that I experienced is that the peace that is available in the world and that this world can give is upside down. It's a precarious peace. Quickly fading and with one good nudge, 
The peaceful life that everyone would say looks peaceful becomes a large mess. And often you get hurt and everyone around you gets hurt. This is the type of peace that, that the world gives. Now, there are institutions that are actually set up in this world to make sure that we can create this stronger sense of peace than just the inner one. Because the inner one is hard to grasp. And not everyone is standing on their head every day. So how do we create the sense of peace? How do we, how do we create a sense of peace um, in, our, in our society? So what do they do? There's police. There's military. There's social security. There's retirement accounts, hospitals, fire stations. All of these are put in place so that we can somehow have some peace, right? We think someone's got this. We can, we can focus on our meditation because someone else has the other bigger stuff. The reality is that these are a type of net and these nets are not really like, um, they're not chain mail. They're more like mosquito nets, you know? They're great at stopping mosquitoes. But when you have a bear, it does nothing. You're in trouble. <clears throat> and don't forget that the things that the world sets up for us to have this type of peace is a good thing. I don't want it to, I don't want me, I don't want to get that message across that these things are bad. These things are great. They give us a sense of peace, but it's ultimately not really as peaceful as you would think. The issue is what's happening here is we are creating a peace that people can rely on. They feel they can rely on. Um, but really what ends up happening is pain and disillusionment often because we put our trust in these forms of peace that you realize aren't always successful or almost most always reactive rather than proactive. Um, they help you find the killer, but they don't really stop them, right? We realize that these, these nets, the police, military, social security, retirement accounts, hospitals, fire stations, they're, they are amazing, but people still get murdered. Wars still break out. Children are still trafficked. People still starve. The stock market crashes. People get cancer and diseases for which there is no cure. And we have wildfires that consume whole towns. What a weak sense of peace. We know this world is littered with disunity, with chaos and calamity. So really, so the reality of this world is not what we, uh, the reality of the peace of this world is not what we think we're getting. Really, I don't know if you've heard of respite care. Um, respite care are for families that are dealing with uh, very difficult situations with someone that has health, health issues, um, sometimes other issues, mental issues. Either way, they, ha they spend all their days taking care of these people, um, but they need, they need rest. So you have pr trained professionals that come in and they learn how to take care of this person for you so you can leave out, get your sanity, come back, get back to it. This is what the world offers. It's a respite type of peace in the midst of anxiety and fear-riddled existence. That's what you have. <clears throat> the peace governments and nations provide are just as fleeting as, and we see this in history, right? We see it in the Bible, uh, the greatest book of history. We see 
Israel destroyed by the Babylonians. And then we see outside of history, outside of the Bible, that after they were destroyed by the Babylonians, they rebuilt their temple. The Romans came and destroyed it again. And after they did their thing, someone else came and destroyed them. Not only, not only in war, but Pompeii was destroyed by a volcano. Hiroshima and Nagasaki were destroyed in a moment by an atom bomb. Any type of peace this world offers is false. It is not a, a peace that it promises. It is a good peace, but not ultimately what is being promised or what we want it to promise. And ultimately, the peace is also self-serving. So this, this peace that, that the world offers is always self-serving. Much of it is shed through the shedding of blood of the enemy and maintained by the threatening of the continued shedding of blood. That's how governments create their peace. Kill the enemy. If you become our enemy, we kill you. There's peace. Beautiful. <clears throat> Not really, right? That's a pretty horrible peace. Because if you think about it, that other country could have peace if you just didn't want to attack them and you let, or maybe you let them win. Just let them win. No one wants that. It's self-serving, right? You want, you want to have that peace, that, that, that temporary moment. <clears throat> so what I'm trying to say today, uh, I don't, I'm not attempting and I feel like some, I feel slightly like some, maybe some of you think this, but I'm not, I'm not attempting to steal this peace from you. I hope to make it crystal clear that it is a facade, but still Ultimately, it's, it's a good thing, but what, what, what it looks like, the way we put our faith in it, it's really a facade, right? 10 seconds, calamity strikes, and your personal life and social life are gone, <clears throat> right? There's someone out there today that is having their last triple quarter pounder. Yeah. There's someone out there today that their heart will beat for the last time, and their aortic aneurysm that they don't know of will burst. They'll be dead in a few seconds. There's a child out there that right now will be taken up and sold, used, and thrown out. This is the peace that's going on around us. It's a manipulation. Ultimately, ultimately a delusion. We worry, plan, and maintain. Isn't it funny? The way we maintain this peace is through anxiety. Because the way that you hold this peace is through vigilance constantly have to look who's trying to hurt me, who's trying to destroy this peace that I have. And it's anxiety producing. So for these fleeing moments, we accept mounds of anxiety. We live this way because our inner reality and external reality is unbearable otherwise. So we have to. We have to do the things that, that help us keep the sanity because our, our peace is not ground in something greater. It's ground in our mind. So to recap, to recap what, what we've gone over, this worldly peace that we experience is attainable. Everyone can have it. Doesn't matter if you're evil or if you're good. You can have this peace. You can grasp this peace. But it is ephemeral. It is short-lived, temporary, of short duration. And ultimately, it is self-serving. 
It is a pursuit of peace for, for the inner man, but not for the outer world. This is the peace that the world can offer. It is an imposter to the real thing. And listen to me here. Satan has used this common worldly peace to rock many people asleep to their need of true peace. Those that enjoyed the rocking during their lifetime will not enjoy it. They won't have it anymore in the next. This peace never deals with the greatest conflict. The conflict we have is a sinner that will face a holy God. And the peace that they were really searching for was the peace that is found only in Jesus Christ. Amen. So let's talk about that. Christ's peace. This, uh, this, this biblical peace, in other words. <clears throat> in, that same, uh, in that same passage that it says, my, uh, I won't give it to you like the world gives you. It says, the peace I give to you. Now remember, Ovi did mention last Sunday, he said, hey, first things first, I remember him saying, these are not our fruits. They are the Holy Spirit's fruits. They're not coming from you. And similarly with peace, it's the same thing. It's a fruit, fruit of the Holy Spirit primarily. But what Jesus says is my peace I give to you. So it's something he has that he can give to us. Now, what is this biblical peace? It's different than the one that we are commonly used to. It's more encompassing. Um, uh, this biblical peace can be, can be talked about in, if you have it up there, completeness, soundness, welfare. Um, still, some of, the, some of the, the worldly peace actually, but it's, it's a more profound uh, type. This quiet, this stillness, this safety, tranquility, order, comfort, the absence of conflict, unity, uh, health, to be at ease and friendship. So let me, let me just, these, these passages aren't over here, but let me just uh, read them real quick so you sort of have a, a good understanding how, how this piece can be used. Um, I think if you really want a, a quick, quick sort of summary, Bible Project does an amazing little five-minute thing on peace, shalom, which you find in the Old Testament, used for all kinds of things. For example, Job 5.24, it talks about his tents being in shalom, in peace, a tent to be in peace. It says, um, their houses are safe from fear in, in Job 21, another passage from Job. Safety, that same word is shalom, peace. Genesis 37, he said, go now and see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock and bring me word. What is, what is shalom there? It is wellness. Is it well with them? When Uriah came, came uh, it says in 2 Samuel eleven seven. when Uriah came to him, David asked concerning the welfare of Job and the people and the state of the war. Interesting one. The state of the war is that, that word state, shalom. How is the peace of the war? Doesn't, but when you look at it in this other context, this unity, this completeness, this wholeness, sort of this state of, is it, is, it, is it working good or is it out of order? Is it in order or out of order? Um, it, it can make sense. 
Or even it says, even my close friend whom I trusted in Psalm 41.9, who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. What word do you think is shalom there? It's close friend. Another interesting thing, right? So it's, it's, this, it's this thing that talks about friendship, unity, uh, wholeness, uh, uh, health. Um, and all of these can be applied not only to our physical, but to the spiritual relationship we have with God. This is what peace is in the Bible. <clears throat> Jesus says, he will leave it and give it to the disciples. But the thing is, he does not tell them what to do to get it, but tells them that he has to give it. Why does he not tell them where they, how or how they have to get it, right? Interesting, interesting question here. Well, the reason is because you can't get it. That's, that's the problem. Uh, you can't get it. It's not something that you can reach by yourself. Isaiah says, which will be a little clue for us, twice, I believe, in Isaiah. He says, the wicked shall not have peace. There is no peace for the wicked. Guess who's the wicked? You can point fingers, it's okay. <laughs> no, but yeah, yeah it, it was us. We were the wicked. And we cannot expect to be at war with someone, at enmity with someone, and then expect them to supply us with care packages. You can't be at enmity with God and have his peace. It doesn't work that way. And surprise, surprise, we have just already done. We were all in this point at one time or another. Uh, we denied Christ and uh, we were in enmity with God. Doesn't matter how much uh, chanting you listen to or how much yoga positions you do, this, this peace is not going to enter your heart. It just won't. Now, I want us to turn to uh, Philippians. Philippians 4, verse uh, 6 through 7. Another powerful passage about peace, this peace. And this is the same peace that we talked about, the biblical peace. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is a, a different type of peace. And it, it is the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. What does that mean? Are you understanding what it's saying? <laughs> uh, the problem is you can read and comprehend the words that are on, the, on, this, on this written here about peace and you won't have it. You can comprehend these words, right? How they form together, uh, what they're saying, but ultimately you don't really understand it because you can't grasp it. You can't get it. Only the believer can grasp this peace. It is an experience that the Holy Spirit employs in us. He has it to give, and it's as natural as an apple tree bearing an apple, right? It's just part of its nature. You have the Spirit indwelling you, there will be peace. Peace will come. <clears throat> I mean, 
this type of peace not only is not understood, but it is, uh, because it is not understood, they try to understand it, and they understand it as folly, as foolishness, as insanity, right? Craziness. You have Paul and Silas bound in jail, singing and rejoicing. This is insanity. Uh, believers rejoicing after they have been beaten and told to stop speaking of Jesus. And they prayed, and the Spirit emboldened them. The fear and anxiety were no longer an issue. They were back on the streets the next day preaching the same message. And honestly, it's still crazy for me to read. Still crazy for me to read. But what changes it from crazy to amazing? When you look to Christ, when you look to him, it all makes sense. The things that are crazy for this world, the things that we're willing to die for, for us, it's everything. Furthermore, it is so good and perfect that the very things we sought to distract and numb and pers- uh, numb ourselves by so we could pursue this worldly peace, this mind that we were trying to protect from insanity, it says, he guards your hearts and your minds. And Who? And Jesus Christ, and the Prince of Peace himself. He is peace itself. The one that Zachariah's father, or the Zachariah father of John the Baptist prophesies over Jesus and says, to, he will be like the sunshine. He'll, he'll, he'll bring light and give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and he will guide our feet in the way of peace. And Jesus says this very same thing. By this very same thing, I mean the first part of Philippians 4, 6 uh, through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, uh, in prayer and supplication. And he says, God will guard your hearts and your minds. Paul says this, right? But Jesus says the exact same thing. He says uh, that, <clears throat> let not your hearts be troubled and not be afraid. He's giving them a command. So we know when Christ gives us a command, he's not just giving it to us, knowing, hey, you guys won't fulfill it. No, he's giving us something that is absolutely um, fulfillable. We can do this. Can, we can't do this, but it can be realized in us. So when he's saying, hey, don't let your heart be troubled, don't be afraid, he's really telling you, I'll guard it. My peace will guard it. You don't have to worry about this, the things of this world like the world does. Don't let anxiety uh, creep in. I have it. This peace is not a respite, but our reality. That's the difference. Remember the worldly peace? It was a, it was a respite from the chaos. Our life in this world is the short-term thing because our peace is our reality. We have become citizens of a kingdom of peace, ruled by the Prince of Peace, and are indwelt by the Holy Spirit that bears it in us. The time spent in this world is quick in comparison to the peace we'll have with Christ in eternity. An unending peace. And we will share it with him. Now, this piece is also one more thing. It is self-sacrificial. There, I'm sure there are more. But the, the, the other point I want to say is that this piece is self-sacrificial. 
The world will shed blood to establish its own peace, but Christ shed his own blood to establish ours. Significant difference. Amen? Paul says to us, let all of us, let each of you, look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of the other. Having the mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That is the peace realized in Christ. Self-sacrificial peace, not the self-serving one. Funny enough, is the self-sacrificial peace actually serves us the most. Amen? This peace, once we have it, once, we, once it is in us, the Holy Spirit is in us, it makes us seek the interest of others and not merely our own. Ultimately, the sacrifice we make to restore and maintain unity or peace amongst the brethren, amongst our neighbors, amongst our friends, it is not even a sacrifice if unity can be reached and peace is ultimately developed. We can take part of that together with the body and the outcome of that is far greater than whatever you left to reach that. Amen? So quick throwback again. Uh, this, time it's, this time it's a throwback to the Sermon on the Mount. Do you remember what Jesus said? Who are blessed and who will be called sons of God? The peacemakers. Amen. The peacemakers, they shall be called sons of God. Those that have the peace of Christ in them will seek peace and reconciliation above their own freedom and pleasure. That's how you can tell a son or daughter of God. It's one of the ways you can see it. So let's recap real quick. The peace of Christ is unattainable. Only he gives it. No one can take it or buy it. It is only found in him. He is the great reconciler. And without him, we are wicked. We have no hope and we shall not know peace. His peace is perfect and unending. It's not, it's not only, it not only is better in that it destroys the greatest conflict we have, which is between God and us, but his peace makes that common peace that we all have way more profound because it's rooted in him. And the beauty that we experience in the world around us, the, the beauty that we can, we, can, uh, we can hash towards peace, we can put towards the side of peace, that's even more beautiful. We know that there is an ultimate order underneath it all, that there is someone that um, is not, has, not, has not only created wholeness in our spirit, but one day will create wholeness in the world around us, right? So this peace will not stop at the inner man, but will one day be complete when he makes all things new. So there's greater peace to be had which is amazing. It truly is. You can't understand it. You can't. You can only grasp at it and you experience it. Revelations, uh, I'll be reading real quick here. I don't have it up here, but I'll, I'll read really quickly just a, a picture of that moment. 
and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for former things are passed away. Because of this peace, so, because, uh, so the peace that, that we have in Christ is this way because it resembles him. And we not only have peace, but when we get his peace, we are also willing to sacrifice of ourselves to foster in our relationships. We desire peace with our brothers and neighbors and seek to make it happen. And uh, if we go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 19 to 22, it says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless, and me holy and blameless, above reproach before him. All you must do is believe on him. This is what you must do. You must believe on him, and if you do, you will be saved. Peace will rest in your heart and mind, and he has done it all. He has done everything. It's already there, and he offers you citizenship in his kingdom. He offers you relationship with the Father, and he offers you adoption as sons and daughters. Amen? So this is where we get into the great pitfall, the great pitfall of what can happen when we that can derail us as Christians. And sometimes unchristians do this without knowing it, but Christians tend to do this. We make Christ's peace common. How do we make Christ's peace common? Well, now that if we believed on the gospel and we realized he's done it all, at this point, we begin to focus on the believing and not on Christ. What do I mean by that? So, um, it feels wrong to us that all of our lives we had to make peace happen. And we still want to work it out somehow in our lives. And in doing so, so what we do? We, we start looking. Um, we start looking at, at our lives. As we start looking at our, our, our believing, our feelings, our striving, our praying, our giving, our abstaining. And what do we do? We say, okay, I'm doubting. There are some things that came in my mind I'm doubting. All right, time to, let's listen to some apolog- apologetics courses on this topic. Let's re- restructure, you know, how I'm thinking. Um, okay, I'm feeling this sort of way. I know what the key is, worship. I have to go and sing some songs and then I won't be in this anxiety riddled place. Or uh, praying, I haven't been praying enough. The answer, pray more. And it does, it it settles the conscience. You feel better now, you're praying more. Uh, You're you're not giving enough. And you're thinking, okay, I gotta give some more. Once you give some more, you feel better. Great, thank God. Abstaining, Uh, you didn't abstain from something you should have, but now I will. And once you start abstaining, you feel better. Um, what, what, is the, what happens in this situation? Well, what's going on is we begin trying to diagnose ourselves. We've, uh, we've all fell into this uh, vicious spiral, and some of us have, have walked with Christ a long time um, and maybe still fall into this cycle. 
Uh, maybe some of us are walking in it today. And I know that uh, prior to this study, I found that I was walking in this way in many ways. So uh, I want you to try to, before we go there, before we try to remember the moment in which we came to know Christ, I want us to, um, to think about it this way. After we have done nothing to redeem ourselves, we, this is what the issue is. We begin to think that we can do something to realize this peace. And it doesn't. All it does is produce anxiety in the Christian. It hinders the Christian. It stops the, the good walk of the Christian. I want you, now I want you to start to just remember, because this is what, this is what melted away this, um, this type of, of focusing on the believing in me. It's remember when your gaze was set on him when he saved you. It was glued to him and he shined so brightly you were blinded. If you remember the story of me looking in the sun for far too long and it left this imprint in my eyes, this is what happens. His image is burned in your retinas. Fear disappears, anxiety evaporates and you were exploding on the inside. It was finally clear. This is where you belong. He is our home. He is our peace. He is our everything. And at some point, you begin to look again at the hands that you're raising in praise. And you see that they aren't clean enough, that they aren't as high as they once were lifted. Maybe they're not barely raised. The problem is we start trying to <laughs> fix it ourselves but we must seek and look to him, not on our believing. That is how the vicious spiral stops. So how do we live out this perfect peace? The way to live out this perfect peace and not fall into this spiral of doing to attain it, but rather, what do we do? We seek to know God through his revelation by the interpretation of his Holy Spirit. What does this look like? I'll try to go through this a little quicker here. <clears throat> what does this mean? Well, if we seek to know God through his revelation, we must, what is his revelation, right? We must seek to know God. Well, seeking to know God, the peace is developed, and then in the next slide, the peace is developed in the Christian mind and heart through the knowledge of God's character. So in the knowing in the seeking to know, we must seek to know God's character. And the only way we can know that, the only way we can know his character is through his revelation. And his revelation are his scriptures. God's clearest revelation of himself and his characteristics, and not only his characteristics, but his character. Because when you say, do you know Raz? You don't tell me he's six foot one, he has brown hair. It's, it's, you tell me he's nice. He's, he's funny. He's, none of these are true, but I'm joking. But you tell me these things, right? You tell me these things, the character of the person. So when you want to know God, you need to know his character. And the scriptures reveal that most clearly. But even more, the most clear revelation of God's character in the scriptures is of his son, Jesus Christ. So when we, when we seek him out through his son, Jesus Christ, that is how we begin to stop that vicious spiral. And no longer are we spiraling, 
But now we have our eyes set in the right place. The problem is there are many people that have read the scriptures, that have read about Christ, and yet still they don't believe, still they have a twisted perception of who Christ is. Well, that is where the, next, the last step comes in. And this last step is necessary. This is the step that keeps you from ever falling into that vicious spiral. Understanding that the revelation of Christ in the scriptures can only be interpreted by his spirit. And in that interpretation of the spirit that's in you as a believer, you can see Christ in the way that he intended to be seen. And because you see him in the way that he intends to be seen, you now are able to live in that peace. Your eyes are focused on him rather than on your doings. And you realize that he has it all. He has it all available. And we know that the, the, the reason you need this, uh, the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you is because there's only one that knows the mind of God. And that is God himself, the Holy Spirit. So uh, I've, I've passed through a few things here, but I want, I want to get to this point, this, this, uh, these last points here. I want you to know that when the world is crumbling around you and all hope appears to be lost, when peace is slipping, when anxieties begin to multiply, I want you to do something important. Pick up your scriptures. Read the story of Daniel. Read the story of David. Read the story of Moses, of Joseph, the story of Israel. They all paint a picture of salvation from the impossible by the hand of an amazing God. It was Christ all along. And because he loved us, not due to our worth, but due to his grace, he did not count equality, once again, that Philippians passage, as something to be grasped, but he emptied himself. He put sin and death to shame, while the world thought it shamed him. By beating him and nailing him naked to a tree, yet Satan had no claim on him. And he carried our sin to the grave, and the grave cannot hold him, but he resurrected to new life and gives new life to all those that believe on him. Where can your anxiety dwell when you know this? Where can your fear find a home in your heart or in your mind in light of such a powerful savior? He has not left you alone, but he dwells in you by the person of the Holy Spirit who guards your heart and mind. And whenever things get hard, you can fall back in his arms. Why? Because we know his character. His character says he never changes. He remains the same. He is holy yet loving. He is gracious and just. He is our king and our savior. And he will carry you every time you, you, you trust him. He will be there, arms, arms out to hold you. This is his peace. Tell others of it. Yell it out. There is a peace, a real peace, a perfect peace, and unending peace. Amen? Set your gaze upon him, and he will give you peace. Yes? Let me, let me lead us in a prayer of closing. Thanks for tuning in to the Summit Church Garden City Podcast. We hope this teaching has encouraged you and helps you live for more.